we're going to be at today. And we're in the middle of a series, In the Middle of the Gospel According to John, which is called In Process. In Process. So the idea of being in process, first of all, if, if you're in process, then you're not done yet, right? You guys figure that out? You're not done yet. So that's part of being in process. The other thing is I try to, as I was thinking, like, how could I, in the most simple way, kind of uh, unpack what it means to be in process? And I realized it's not that easy to unpack. Because if anytime, anything that you do to try to, like, like ultra simplify the process that we're in, um, you, you, you kind of miss the boat, right? It's, it's not simple. <laughs> Have you guys figured that out yet? Life's not simple. Right. And but there's some things about being in process. We're not done that there's that there's somebody that's in charge of the process. Most of the time we're trained as as Americans to be in charge of our own process. Right. Have you guys figured that out? we're like independent. We, we like autonomy. We like to be in charge. If, if anyone else like to be in charge of their their everything. <laughs> Any other control freaks in here? All right, you guys can go to the recovery ministry, right? We control <laughs> freaks. Uh, but, but, but we're in charge of the process. The process takes time. We're not done. And there's all of these things, but there are some things that we are responsible for, right? We can't get in this thing like, I don't do anything, just like it's all, it is all God's grace, but we're part of the process. God, God, God planned it that way, right? There's things that we do, habits, things like that. God uses other people in our process. God is always the center of our process when, when we're doing well, right? He uses community, he uses struggle, he uses so many things in the process. And so that's kind of where we're at, and we're looking at this in the context of John's gospel. And John chapter 10 particularly is, is a transitional chapter, okay? Um, if you guys look at, if you kind of diagram John, it's interesting that the last um, three quarters of John, which we're, we're definitely in now, the last three quarters of John represent the last six months of Jesus's life, right? And, and a big part of that starts in the Feast of Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles we've been kind of looking at. And that happens, um, the Feast of Sukkot is like a, a, is a fall feast, like September, October. In the middle of John chapter 10, starting in John chapter 22, which, which is next week, we're going to see that he references the Feast of Dedication. If you don't know what that is, you've probably heard of Hanukkah. It's Hanukkah. And that's, that happens around December, so that's three months later. And then Jesus is going to enter in uh, very soon into Jerusalem for the Passover. That's going to happen in the spring, right? Like, like March, April. Okay? So this is six months from Jesus. John chapter 10, it doesn't tell us exactly where we're at in this, but we're somewhere between the Feast of Sukkot and, and, the, feast, and the Feast of Dedication, right? Probably, I don't know, but, but you've got to remember that John is writing long time, a long time after this actually happens, and he's, he's, he's packaging it, and so he's, he's not being specific about what day this is on, but, but so a lot of the concepts, why this is important, a lot of the concepts we're going to look at today kind of balance between the Feast of Sukkot and the Feast of Dedication, Okay, so I'm going to read John chapter 10 all the way through 1 through 21, and then I'm just going to let you guys kind of unpack maybe some things that you see in it to start us off, and then we'll kind of dig in with some big themes that he kind of brings up. Okay, so John chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 21. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in 
By another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from the stranger, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. You ever had that experience? I do not understand what you're doing in my life right now, God. Or I don't understand what you're saying. Or you're reading through Leviticus. I do not understand what he's trying to teach me here, right? That's normal. It says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? It's a long section. Thank you for listening. But what were some things that maybe stood out to you as I was reading? Some things in this passage, some observations, maybe some questions, just things that kind of popped out in, in, in first reading. Anything? Yeah, Dale. Yeah. Yep, he doesn't flee from the evil that comes, but literally he he steps in the in the in, in between the danger and 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 the sheep and gives his life. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. Any other thoughts from yeah, Danny. He's in charge of the whole flock. Amen. Good point. Very good. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yep, he's not a victim. It, they keep trying to, 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 to catch Jesus, right? Because and, and, they want to kill him. 
but at the right hour, he's, they're not going to be able to on their own accord, but only, only because he lays it down. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Yes. Amen. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Jesus is the door. If, if, you're in, if you're in first century Jerusalem or before, the picture here is this. Um, in, in, a, in, a, in a community of, of shepherds, you would have places called sheep pen, right? And when the wolves would come or when storms would come, it would be a place where you could usher your sheep into for protection. And it would usually be like a house or some or a cliff or something like that. And then it would either have a, a wall, maybe like like chest height, a wall that would go mostly around. It could be of bushes or it could be of stone, depending on the sheep pen. And there would be an opening and you would and you would call to your sheep and your sheep would know to go into this sheep pen. And then there was an opening and, and then the shepherd would either take some dry bush and, and cover it. Or a lot of times they would just stand there at the door. They would be the door. They would guard against whatever the danger was. And this is the picture that Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm the door. I'm the way. I'm how you get into the safe pasture that I'm talking about. It's a great statement. Yeah. Yeah. Bar- Barbara Green. Also my mom. <laughs> he knows them by name and they know his voice. There's this tender relationship that happens right a lot of times the, sh- the the shepherd would either have some type of flute or some type of voice and he would call to the sheep and the sheep would know i had an experience with this not with a sheep but i had these friends um that, that lived over by redondo union high school and we is we would you know it was back in the day when you could just go off and, and do your own thing and boys would be boys and then when it's like when it's sundown or when the when the street lights go on that's when you know to come back but this particular family, the dad had this whistle. Like, I can't do it. Like, he put his hands in here. You guys ever heard someone do that? And it was like, wee or something like that, right? He did it way cooler. And you could hear it for like a mile away. And I'm not kidding you. You should have seen these kids' face. You're up doing something, even if it was like not even a bad thing. And they would hear that thing, and their eyes would go like, boom. <laughs> and they would just like start running, right? <laughs> like, they knew their dad's voice, and I just get this picture, like that's the idea of the shepherd and the sheep's voice that they know. You know, yeah, great insights. Any, any more thoughts? Maybe one more thought. You have something, Dale? At the, yeah, in the end, he says there's, one, there's this one flock he's talking about. The, the people of Jerusalem that he's teaching, he says, and I have, another, I have other sheep. And I'm going to bring them into the one flock. I love that. It's such a beautiful picture. Yes. Other people get in. The, th- the thieves, they try to get into the sheep, and they don't go through there. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And that would have been the picture is, is if you're the, if you're the, 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 the sheep, the, the gatekeeper, right, in the community, you would have, there would have been lots of shepherds that could come in because they would keep their sheep there, right? So you could have lots of flocks in there, and the gatekeeper would be there. Almost, you imagine like a gated community, right? You go in there, and you have to give your name, and, and if, if they know who you are, they'll let you in, or they call, and they make sure. But if you're, not, if you're not coming into that community in a legit way, you wouldn't go through that gate, right? You would try to find another way 
in. So if you found someone climbing the wall, be suspicious, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the picture that we're getting. And the wolf would try to jump over the gate and all these types of pictures. And Jesus is using all of this to try to say something. These, this, this illustration is not really about sheep, after all. It's about, it's about why he came to this earth. It's about the condition of us. It's about the process. It's about the process and who he is in the process and who we are in the process. And so as we as we just slowly pick through this, we'll see that this section is separated into two sections, right? Two statements that he makes, two I am statements. Now, in John, there's seven I am statements. That's some that's one of the particulars about John. So far, after we've gotten through today, we'll have gotten through four of them. Right. Jesus said, I am the bread of life earlier. And then he said, I am the light of the world. That's an I am statement. The first statement he makes today is I am the door. This is incredibly interesting. John 10, 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the door or it can be translated. I am the gate. One of the things that's so interesting about this is what have we just uh, uh, leave in John chapter 9, the Feast of Sukkot. If you remember the Feast of Sukkot, one of, the, one of the rituals they did was the water ceremony. They would go from the temple and they would go down to the pool of Siloam. They would get water and they would bring it back. It was the water ceremony. They would line the streets almost like the parade that at, at Disneyland. Everyone wanted to be a part of it. They had a special team, of a, a special choir that would sing specifically the songs of Hillel. It's Psalm 113 through Psalm 118. They would end with the Psalm of 118. You get to Psalm 118 they would have just sung this they would have sung this is the gate of the lord psalm 118 uh, uh 20 through 22 or this is the door of the lord the righteous shall enter through it i thank you that that you have answered me and have become my salvation the stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone right jesus said that about him they're going to reject me and i will be the cornerstone of this new thing called the church Right. He's going to be the cornerstone. He's going to be rejected. And he is the door. Jesus is saying, I'm the door. I am. I am the, the I'm Psalm 118. I am the answer. I'm the this is a fulfillment of prophecy. And he also ties it in to this this picture that they had of shepherding. He's doing something magnificent here. Right. I am the door. The other thing he says in the second part of this is he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We looked at um, one of the passages that they would have read from Sukkot uh, a few weeks ago from Zechariah 13. I want to read it again. He says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will scatter. I will turn my hand against the little ones. In the whole land, declares the Lord, Two-thirds shall become cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I, will call, and I will answer them. I will say they are my people, and they will say the Lord is my God. 
And Jesus, in this, in this, in this Old Testament uh, a passage, we see this prophecy about the Messiah that the sheep, the shepherd will be stricken and the sheep will scatter. But then he will begin to gather them back up and he will refine them, right? What's that sound like? A process. The process of making gold pure is a, pr- is a process of refiner's fire that I will put my people through the process, but the purpose of it is, is that th- I will be their God. And they will be my people. The sheep, they hear my voice. They know me, and I know them by name. He's saying, I am the fulfillment of Zechariah. I am the fulfillment of of Psalm 118, I am the good shepherd. The other, pe- the other interesting piece here is, if you remember the story, we just came at the end of Sukkot, there's a blind man. Last week, Jesus heals a blind man. And the blind man has this, this testimony. He says, I met Jesus. Uh, he spit in the ground, turned the dirt into mud, put these, these, he anointed my eyes with the mud, he told me, go down to the pool of Siloam. Remember the water ceremony? It's all connected. Go down to the pool of Siloam, wash. And he says, after I washed, I could see again. And they go, they, they, the, the Pharisees, they want to uh, trap Jesus doing something wrong so they can accuse him and kill him, though that is Jesus' plan too, right? And it, but he's going to do it on his own accord, not, not based on their strategy. And they try to use this blind man, and they say, give glory to God, We know he's a sinner. What are they saying? We don't believe you. Tell us what we want to hear. And he keeps saying, I'm just telling you what happened, right? I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. He he put mud on my eyes, went down to the pool of Siloam, washed, and now I see. They bring his parents, right? And they try to question it, try to figure it out. So these are bad shepherds. Would you agree? They're bad shepherds. They use this man to try to get at Jesus. That is not good shepherding. They ask leading questions and insult him for his honesty. It's not good shepherding. They discard him. They kick him out of the synagogue when he's no longer useful to them, and they can't get him to do what they want. They're bad shepherds. All of this is interesting because you remember you got so you you definitely see the symbols of Sukkot in here. Is that can you can I be can I, can I say that? It's definitely a lot of Sukkot. In verse in chapter twenty or in uh, verse twenty two, he's gonna he's gonna reference like I said Hanukkah. Here's the thing with Hanukkah. This connects with that too. Hanukkah was was not one of the original seven feasts, but in the second century BC, it became a holiday, and obviously Jesus celebrated it in his day. We we learned that in verse twenty two, right? So so ha- what Hanukkah is 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 if you remember um, uh, world history, Greek. The Greek, uh, Greece took over most of the known world, right, with Alexander the Great, right? And he, he, he conquered most, of the, uh, most of, of the Middle Eastern world, um, and he, he had this thing called Hellenization. He wanted to make everything Greek, Hellenization. That was their strategy. Um, ironically, he died before he was 40 of alcoholism, uh, Alexander the Great, and then uh, nobody was, was strong enough, powerful enough to take over, so they divided it into four sections, the, the, the land that he had conquered. A few generations go by, and the area of Jerusalem was under one of those four. By the, to- by, by the time of uh, the second century B.C., this guy Antiochus IV, he, 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 re- he liked to re- refer to himself as Epiphany, right? He was a, he was a, 
uh, one of the worst leaders in world history. In that time, you would have thought of him like Hitler. You think of Hitler, you think bad leader, right? There's this guy. And, and, and he, he wanted to just take this idea of Hellenization and just take it to the extremes. So he goes into Jerusalem, and he takes them by force. He's burning down buildings. He goes into the temple. He takes the biggest pig he could find, and he sacrifices a pig, an unclean animal, in the Holy of Holies on the temple in, the, in, in Jerusalem, on the altar. You couldn't do anything more disgusting to these people. There couldn't be a greater hate crime to the Jewish community than this guy. Most uh, rabbis, they, they reference from Daniel, it talks about the, uh, the, the desolation, uh, the abomination of desolation in Daniel. People say this was it. That's what they believe. It was so vile. It stirred up, it, it awoke the, 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 the sleeping giant in Jerusalem. This family particularly called the Maccabees, Big in Jewish history, they revolt up. Mathetius, known as the Hammer, right? This is before WWE even, right? This guy's name is the Hammer, and he leads this revolution in world history. It's three years long, and it ends with, vic- with, a, with, a, with, a, with a temporary victory for Jerusalem. He goes into the temple, and he cleans off the temple where they sacrifice the pig. He kicks all of these Roman people out. They start fixing things up, and they rededicate the temple. The Feast of Dedication. It's eight days long, not because of the light, like you, you might have heard, but because it's the last thing that happened was the Feast of Sukkot, and they didn't get to celebrate it, so they decided to celebrate it in December, and from then on, it became this Feast of Dedication. And d- during this season, for the Jews, at the time when Jesus comes on the scene, the Feast of Dedication, it, re- it, was, it, it, it was remembering that, that, that the temple had been taken in ba- by Babylon. They've been taken into exile. And then it was taken again after, after Ezra rebuilds it, and it was taken again. And they would have thought, what do we keep doing wrong? What do we keep doing wrong? It was a time of reflection. A lot like our time of uh, in, in, in the, in the, uh, the New Year's resolutions. There's times in our, uh, that when we, uh, or, or uh, uh, an election year like we're in right now, we start to think about these things. What are we doing wrong? What could be better? What could we do different? Where did we go astray? And then we remember time, like Reaganomics, right? We remember times when, when we, like the good old days, we call them, right? That was, that was the atmosphere going on during this time. And they would have definitely been reading things like in Ezekiel 34, it says this. It says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak have not strengthened the sick, uh, uh, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered. Because there was no shepherd, and they became food they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains, and on every high hill my sheep were scattered over the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Jesus is painting this picture that we you the sheep have been scattered. 
The shepherds have not been good shepherds. The Pharisees have not been good shepherds. They just showed that with this blind guy. That's how they, that, that, that's the condition. Think about what Jesus is saying in contrast to what the Jewish people are thinking. The Jewish people are thinking, we're pretty much fine. But there's one thing we want freedom from, Rome. We want freedom from Rome. We want Jesus to come and be a king and destroy Rome so that we can kind of have our own kingdom. What is Jesus saying? He's saying Rome is not the problem, not the only problem. Internally, your shepherds have, have, have not treated you well. And you as a people are scattered. In essence, you have great need that you're not, that you're not addressing. You have deep wounds. You have, you're deeply, you're far from the shepherd. You need a shepherd, not a king. You need a king and a shepherd. You need, you need, you need to come into the sheep pen, not get freed from Rome, right, is what he's saying. This is very, very big picture stuff that Jesus is beginning to say because he's beginning to head towards the cross. So, so, so he says he's the good shepherd, he's the door, he's the way in, and he's the one that takes care of you. He's in charge of your process. Here's some things that, that, that I think are, are, are great application for us. You guys ready for some application time? You guys are like, man, I thought it was summer. Why are we having like an like a ancient history lesson? I'm sorry, but the point is this. The point is this. We need Jesus. The first thing in, that I think about here is this. Do we understand that we are sheep that need their shepherd? We are sheep that need their shepherd. There's one thing about sheep um, I know, and we're going to talk about three things, but here's the first thing about sheep that I know. Sheep are completely dependent on their master. Think about that. I, I, I was just interested in this, um, in, sh- in the idea of, of, of sheep. It's interesting that he uses sheep, right? Is that a compliment? I don't know. Probably not. Now, here's the thing, though. Why is it not a compliment? It's because of the way that we want to view ourselves. We don't want to look at ourselves as sheep. We don't want to see ourselves as dependent. We don't want to train our kids that. Be dependent your whole life. Right? We don't tell that to our kids, right? We're like, get out, <laughs> you know, and fend for yourself and be responsible and take care of yourself and do the things you need to do and, and, and go to college and get a good job and do, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. That's the stuff we talk. We don't go like, be dependent, right? We don't, we don't, we don't learn that. But here's the thing about, about sheep. I, I Googled this. What are the top 10 wild animals? Top 10 wild animals. The first one is probably, you'd, give, you'd guess, it's a lion, right? Is a lion a wild animal? Yeah, try to tame a lion, right? You're in the circus, and you get, and, and because you're the fool, right? The, 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 the lion tamer is the one that we're really there to watch, right? Not the lion. Because you're, if you're willing to do that, you're crazy, you know? Because they're wild animals. The second thing I think was, was, was also, it was a wolf, right? And it references in here, a wolf is a wild animal. You can't control a wolf. Right? Wolves are wild animals. The third one I thought was interesting. It was a giraffe. Giraffe is a wild animal. 
You can't tame a giraffe. Go to the zoo and, and go to the, the, the giraffe attraction. It's almost never the most entertaining. Why? Because they're not good in, when they're domesticated. But you see them out in the wild. People talk about safaris. Giraffes are awesome to watch. They are wild animals designed to be on their own out in the wild. There's a one video. Don't, don't Google this unless you want to. But, but there's this these lion that literally comes up against this giraffe, and you would think, oh, who's going to win? That's easy, right? That's like, you know, like Ronda Rousey when she got upset. That was this video, right? And the giraffe, I didn't know this, they kick backwards is one of their defense mechanisms. And it kicks this lion, and the lion's head, no joke, like almost comes off, and it dies. I don't know if you think that's gross or if you think that's awesome, but I would say the right answer is that's awesome. Because <laughs> this is a wild animal. And then the fourth one was an eagle, right? And we think about eagles flying. The fifth one I still haven't figured out. It was a turtle. <laughs> and we won't go on, but like, there's these wild animals. But here's my point. You know what wasn't on that list? A sheep. Sheep are not wild animals. Sheep need, when a sheep gets off on its own, it is like, you know, you write it off. It is going to die. It's either going to starve itself, it's going to eat some wild bush, that you told it not to eat yesterday. They're, they're, they're incredibly foolish, incredibly dependent, and they need to be with their shepherd. And Jesus says, we're like that. Think about that. Does that offend you? Because it does a little bit me. The way I want to think of myself and my life and my process, it does. And we, I think we need to work through that. We need to listen to what he's saying that's what he's saying, right? Listen to me. I'm your shepherd. You're a sheep. You need me. The second thing about sheep is that sheep, if you watch them, they live moment by moment in their master's care. Moment by moment in their master's care. Sheep do not do this. They don't sit out and go, I'm going to come up with some goals and, some, and, and make a dream board and put it on my refrigerator. <laughs> they just do what their master's tells them to do Right? As, and, and then in a moment by moment. And look at what Jesus says. He goes, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. He doesn't drive the sheep. He goes in front of them and they follow him. Can you find Jesus in your process like that? Is Jesus right in front of you in your process and you're following him and you're, and you're, you're eagerly listening for his voice? Is that, is that describe your life? Because that's what he's calling us to. That's what the process is supposed to look like. Francis Schaeffer in his book, True Spirituality, says, True spirituality consists in living moment to moment by the grace of Jesus Christ. Any of you guys ever suffered, suffered from the syndrome called stress? Any of you guys ever get too far ahead in the process, like me? Or get stuck in, in behind and all the regrets and all the things in the process, right? But he's saying, no, like live moment by moment in God's grace. We don't know what the future holds. We know who holds the future type thing, right? Moment by moment in God's grace. That's the, that's the beauty of being a sheep. You're not in charge. And you know who is. And the third thing about a sheep is this. The sheep worship their master. 
Sheep, in a sense, worship their master. And probably nobody in here, has anybody in here ever been a shepherd? Yeah, I didn't think so. So none of us really have a shepherd, but any of you guys ever owned a dog? Right? Or you know someone that owns a dog? I love my dog. I got a little boxer named, named Zoe, and I'm her master. Proud to say. I'm a proud owner of a boxer. And she is amazing, and she just loves me beyond what I deserve, if, if I'm honest, right? And here's the cool thing is, and Blanca will tell you, and the kids will tell you, when I drive, I have, I have, a, I have a, a, a Honda Civic, not unique. Lots of people have a Honda Civic. But when she hears me from like a couple blocks away, drive in. She hears my Honda Civic. She knows my Honda Civic. I'm not kidding you. She knows my Honda Civic. She gets up on her chair, which she thinks she owns, and she looks out the window. Her tail almost falls off. She's jumping around in circles, and I'm like, oh, I forgot my keys. I was just here a minute ago, <laughs> right? That's my dog, and the sheep are like that. Is that your response to Jesus? Are we just like so thrilled to be with our master? Our master's home, you know, shake your tail. I wonder what that look like when we started worshiping and we just all like, like acted like Zoe, right? Because we're just in our presence of, don't let's not do that. That'll get weird fast. <laughs> but sheep need their shepherd and the shepherd knows his sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep. Think about this. God knows all of your ugly stuff. We spend so much time. It's part of being human. The original humans, right? Adam and Eve, uh, they sinned. They felt shame and they hid from God. Because they didn't want him to see. They don't want him to, I don't, if anybody knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. If you've never had that thought, I mean, that, I've had that thought all the time. I'm going to go into this new situation. Will they like me? What, how can I change myself so that, so that I won't feel so weird or so awkward or so wrong, right? And here's what it's saying. It's like in Psalm 139, God knows everything about you and he still likes you. That's amazing. He knows. He knows. You don't need to hide. When you're his sheep, he, he just likes you. He just likes you for who you are. And he likes you so much that he won't let you stay that way. He keeps you moving in on the process, and he leads it. But he knows all of your ugly stuff. Here's something we don't often uh, uh, credit to God. God knows all of your beautiful stuff. It's not all ugly. If you guys have probably experienced this, you're pro there's probably things about you that are lovely. And people don't look past whatever it is that they're looking past and, 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 and really appreciate it. But he does. God made you the way that he made you. And, he's, and he likes it. We're not all the same. You may look at yourself and say, I wish I had that talent or that talent. He knows what talents you have. And he absolutely loves it. None of his sheep are more favorite than the other. He loves each of his sheep. He loves each of his sheep. He loves all the little blemishes, right? If you were more perfect in your eyes you would be less perfect in his, I think. He loves everything about you. He loves the ugly stuff. He loves the beautiful stuff. God loves you. He loves you. And in verse 15, he says, I lay down my life for my sheep. That's the kind of love that God has for his sheep. 
And so the next section, it, it, it bears saying it twice, the shepherd loves his sheep. He willingly died for his sheep, for you and me. He laid down his life. In, in, in the, the writer of Hebrews says, it says, with the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. He didn't enjoy the cross. He endured it. But while he was enduring the cross, he experienced joy. Because the joy that was set before him was what he was doing on the cross. He was laying down his life for his sheep. He had a joy because he knew that if he laid down his life for his sheep, he would rise from the dead and it would, he would become a door, a pathway to a deeper relationship with God where we would walk with him, where he would go before us and he would lead and we would listen and he would speak to us and he would refine us and he would, all the, all the process, the good, the bad and the ugly, he would use it all for our good and for our transformation, for our refining and he would be in charge and he willingly did that. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Second, we see that he wants to adopt more sheep. We could have the worship team come back up. He says, like Dale said, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I will bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. He wants to adopt more sheep. He wants us, he wants us to go and tell the other sheep that there's a great shepherd, and he wants, he wants you. All of these things. He knows the ugly stuff about you. He knows the beautiful stuff about you. And he died for you. And he's the door. He's the one way. It's often said that it's offensive to say that there's one way. We've talked about this before. I don't think it's offensive to say that there's one way. That there's only one way to God. There's only one way to be forgiven. I don't think it's offensive at all. I think it's mind-blowing that there's a way. When there doesn't really need to be. There is a way, right? If you, I imagine if you were dying on your, on your deathbed of some disease and there was only one cure, you would not be offended by that one cure. You would be blown away that there was a cure at all. And Jesus is saying, I'm the, I'm the door. I'm the way, and I want more sheep. I want to adopt more sheep. And he wants what is best for his sheep says, the thief comes only to steal and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus wants to give you abundant life. You've got to live it one step at a time. He won't tell you the whole story, but he will go before you and tell you to moment by moment, follow me, keep your eye on me, watch me, you're a sheep, don't get off track because you will get devoured. There is, there is, there is danger in the world you got to stay with me. But if you do, i got a great plan for you. I want to bless you. It won't always, you won't always get it. You won't always understand. You won't always understand the blessing that I'm, I'm doing. And so as we, as we prepare for worship, I want to read one other passage that Jesus said, and it's from um, Luke 15. I'll read it, and then we'll worship. In, in Luke 15, it's about shepherding and sheep. He says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. 
And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, right, because they're bad shepherds, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them, right? That's one of the things I love about Jesus. That was what they hated about Jesus. So he told them this parable. He said, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when, it, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. 